TJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to bring in David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone, get an iPad, or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. I'm wondering, uh, what did you do with all that extra energy you have during the All-Star break? Did you nearly explode? Did you ski for hours uh, every day to burn it? I, I didn't like the first few days. I was, I was bored, I'll admit it. Um, I did have some other things to work on, but then um, I went helicopter skiing with my dad, who's 80, and my two kids. So pretty special three days. All right, sweet. Now you're back at it, and we're all looking forward to it. Uh, I wanted to ask you about a recent acquisition with uh, Reggie Jackson going to the Clippers. Do you think they hit a home run? I don't know. I mean, I think Reggie Jackson is a backup point guard, not a starting point guard on a good team. So in that sense, he's in the right spot. Um, He is potent. I mean, he can make, you know, he can do some things. um, You know, he's a threat, I guess, um, in the way that Clarkson's a threat. He's been an incredibly poor offensive player. This year was oft injured uh, last year, uh, and I don't think was very good. I'm looking it up as we speak. Um, he was um, he was not as bad last year. He was below average, but he was not as bad. He's an inefficient player. Um, so I don't know who they're getting uh, in the sense that he, you know, in the last three years has been, you know, from poor to not as bad to this year he's been awful. Um, I have a my offensive metric that I use to evaluate players called points gained in which you compare a player, you take the, so in case of Reggie Jackson, you take the 15 scoring opportunities that he uses on a given night, compare it to what an average player would have done with those 15 scoring opportunities. He scores two less points than average. That's a lot um, this year. Last year he was point negative point three, and the year before he was negative 1.3. So in that sense, I, it's, I think, you know, whose possessions is he taking? And they now have two negative players back there in Lou Williams and Reggie Jackson. Um, and then, you know, how are they? I, I don't quite know how they're using him um, in the sense that, you know, they've got Lou Williams and they've got Patrick Beverly and um, they've got Landry Shamit. And I guess this avoids them playing Landry Shamit as. Um, a point guard, which is at times they've had to do and hasn't been very good. But I would tell you that any possession you're taking away from Landry Shamit and giving to Reggie Jackson is a positive for the opponent. So Houston's into the buyout market too. Jeff Green on a 10-day deal. Damari Carroll, a couple guys with jazz ties there. Are either one of them going to help the Rockets? So the Rockets, I think the one thing it does for the Rockets is they didn't have 240 minutes of basketball. Um, I mean, they just didn't have all the players, right? They were short guys. So if they can get, they got twenty, you know, they got the plus nineteen night from Jeff Green. We'll see if they get the negative twenty-two nights coming up as well. Um, but they got thirteen nights out of minutes out of Damari Carroll last night, and they got, I think, about twelve. You know, if they can get twelve to fifteen minutes out of Jeff Green, then that's Tabo's not playing, who who really doesn't seem to have much bounce left. Um, it prevents them from maybe having P.J. Tucker play 36 minutes. So I think that helps them in the sense that, unlike the Clippers, where I look at it and I'm not quite sure where they needed Reggie Jackson minutes, I thought the the Rockets roster was just short players. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm very bullish on the Rockets. Um, I think that for their roster, this small ball was absolutely the right thing to do. The numbers are, are really telling um, when you dig into, you know, with Harden and Westbrook on the floor without Capella, they're plus 12 this year. The offense was 10 points per 100 percentage, percentage points better. Um, Westbrook gets to the rim 50% of the time of his shots when he's not on the floor with Capella, and he's actually efficient. Uh, Harden without Westbrook was a big win, but Westbrook uh, and Harden without Westbrook or Capella was a big win this year, but Westbrook on his own with Capella was not, so they solved that problem. Uh, I, I think they're going to be, you know, they're, they're a, a bogey uh, game winner away from having beat the Jazz, Lakers, Clippers, uh, Celtics. Uh, I, I think they're going to be amazing. Um, I, I think they'll finish with the two or the three seed and go on a, quite a run here unless other teams just simply don't lose enough. But they they have a pretty easy schedule. They play um, – they I, I'll have to pull it up, but I think they play 18 games. I'll check it here in a second. Uh, the rest of the way in which they – let me have it for you. Sorry. Yeah, they play, uh, they play 16 games out of their final 28 games where they're winning probability, according to 538, is 80% or better. Um so I, I think the Rockets could, you know, particularly, you know, their game against us on Saturday is one of their lowest win possibilities of the entire season. Uh, rest of the way for them, uh, as is their March 5th game at home. Uh, I think against the Clippers is a low one for them. Other than that, they could roll. So I, I suspect they've got, what, 28 games left? I think they'll go 24 and 4, 20, 25 and 23 and 5, something of that the rest of the way, and end up winning you know, 57, 58 games. So I think the Jazz have five back-to-backs before the season is over. Is it going to be where Conley sits them all out or sits one of the two out? It does seem that that's the plan. I haven't talked to anyone. I don't I don't know that that's the plan. Um, but it's, that's, you know, pretty clear that he's not playing back-to-backs when he doesn't play tonight. So the advantage there would be if there were some lingering soreness or just kind of preventive, you get that. Plus, that enables you to play some other guys, keep them involved. If you need someone like Moutier, this would seem to open up minutes for him. Kind of those are the would be the two lines of thinking without talking to somebody. Is there another? Yeah, one? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's understanding we're going to make the playoffs, and you're trying to preserve Mike Conley um, for the playoffs. Um, you know, I'm. I don't remember ever seeing anything on Mike that he, you know, we don't have the data this year. I don't think he's played a back-to-back. But last year's split, that maybe there's some data that shows that he wasn't as good in, in back-to-backs last year. I don't, I don't recall um, seeing that, but I, I could, I could look it up and see. I, um, but I, I don't, re- I don't recall that last year. I, if, in fact, in my prep, I kind of remember him actually being, you know, looking to see for nervous signs that he was aging. That was one that usually shows up, and I, my memory on that is he was quite good last year in back-to-back. So. It just must be prevention for, you know, whatever soreness he's experiencing. So you forecasted the Rockets' record down the stretch. What are you forecasting for the Jazz? Well, I haven't done that. Um, Jeez. <laughs> so Saving that for another t- show, David. Come on. <laughs> um, so we've got the toughest of, of of the Nuggets, Clippers, Jazz, Rockets, and I haven't done Thunder, though I probably should. I mean, they've been as good as anyone in the NBA for a while. Um, if you take games left where your winning percentage, according to 538, is below 60%, so you know it's somewhat of a coin toss or you're, or you're not favored, uh, we have 11 of those games remaining the rest of the way. The Nuggets have 10, the Rockets have 9, and the Clippers only have 6. Um, the Rockets and Nuggets, the Rockets and Clippers have just a far easier schedule than the Jazz and the Nuggets the rest of the way. 
Um, I think the team we're probably watching and wanting to lose the most is Denver. Uh, I think our, you know, our, our April 5th game at Denver and our April 14th game to close the season, uh, could, I, I think there's a decent chance Denver and Utah could be playing for who gets home court, uh, to start the playoffs against each other on April 14th. As far as what seating bracket? Four or five. Four or five. Okay. That's it's really not what jazz fans want to hear, David. Stupid four okay. five series I mean, again. <laughs> what would you, what would what would you like me to say? Like we've been really. Your I, mean, <laughs> I mean, right. So the Lakers are the one seed. The schedule seems to believe that if the Clippers decide to play, um, that they're going to prop, that they, you know it's pretty favorable toward them to the two. I just told you I really I believe in the Rockets. Yeah. Now, I mean, so here, so I, I mean, the Rockets are two games behind the Jazz in the loss column, and the Jazz, um, you know, win the season series with a win against them on Saturday night, that game is mammoth. Um, but so let's say the Rockets do what I think, which is in their final 28 games that they go 24. Let's say they do the, you know, the highest they could, they go 24 and four, which would be just remarkable. But I, I really think they're, they're going to do that. I don't think they'll lose any of those 16 games they play that are you know virtual wins. And I think they'll, on the other 12 games left the rest of the way, I suspect they'll probably go eight and four on that. Um, so it, let's say that's the, you know, the, that's 58. Um, and if the Jazz can beat them coming up here, then if the Jazz can get to 58-2, and so that would mean the Jazz have to go 22-6 and six the rest of the way. That's hard. When you have 11 games in which you're um, – I think that's, that seems unlikely. We've got seven games the rest of the way where our winning probability is below 40%. Um, you know, those are the ones we have to ste- – we have to win the games we're supposed to as we have all year and then find a way to steal the one in Boston or in the two in Oklahoma City or the one against the Lakers. Though, you know, I think you probably call it a win if you get the first one against the Lakers. Got to steal the one in Dallas. Um, we go to Portland we go to Denver. So those are those are the road six that or road seven that, you know, seem very daunting. And, you know, can we find a way to go three and four in those? Well, there's – and then, you know, if you're going to – if the Rockets do what I'm saying and you're trying to catch them, then you probably can't – you can't lose more than one other game the rest of the way. It's if if the Rockets do what I'm saying. Now, if they suddenly get injured and get beat up, and but I don't see it. I've looked at the numbers on the Rockets. I've watched them play. Um, particularly with a short-term sample size, I think what they're doing is going to work. So when you look at the Jazz, you see a team that offensively is really, really good, shooting the three really well. It spreads the floor. Uh, there's, there's a lot of numbers out there that are very positive. So if they're going to have issues... It stands to reason then it's the defensive end of the floor. How do they get to the point where they're top five defensively or top three defensively, or is that just too much to ask? I think it might be too much to ask. I mean, we've really transformed this team, and we've turned it into the number – since December 24th, it's the number one offensive team in the league. Now, in that stretch, we haven't played any of the five best offensive teams. Um, We haven't played Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Philadelphia, or the Lakers in that stretch. So um, those are the five best defensive teams. So I think our numbers are a a tiny bit inflated in that period of time. But, you know, we're still an elite-level offensive team, best shooting team in the league in that stretch. Um, And so I don't think you get both in that, you know, we haven't done that now. We, this is the story. This is going to be the story of the rest of our, our route. Um, we play the most games, I believe it is, against any of the Western Conference teams against top 10 offensive um, teams. So we're going to find out whether or not we can defend. I was actually working on a project this morning trying to kind of look at um, what teams have done against the top 10 de- offensive teams in the league defensively and how we compare so far this year because that's going to be the story 
of the second half of the season for us. I, I'm utterly convinced that our offense is that good, but we play 12 games in our final 28 against teams that are top 10 offensive teams. Um, and in the past, when we, here's the nice thing: in the past, when we've played those teams, if they, even if our defense had a good game, and we let's say held them three or four points per hundred possessions below what their season average was, um, our offense wasn't good enough to catch them. Now it is. You know, now in most of those games, we may go in with the advantage. We may be the better offensive team of those teams that we're playing. And so then can we hold them to average? Because our average is better than their average, and we win. But, you know, that's Dallas and that's Houston, and, and we've got the Lakers twice coming up and Boston coming up twice and the Clippers and the Nuggets twice. Um, and I think we're done with Miami, but we've got the Spurs. So we play the, you know, we play the 10th-ranked offensive team tonight. We play the second-ranked offensive team uh, the night after that. We've got the fifth-ranked offensive team on Wednesday. We're gonna we're gonna find out. We go on the road and see that fifth-ranked offensive team again in Boston, and and then New Orleans. You know, if you look at recently in the last 15 or so games, then it even is more daunting because New Orleans has been the seventh-ranked offensive team recently, and we play them. Uh, coming up here in a stretch, and Oklahoma City has been the sixth-ranked offensive team over the last 15 games, and we play them. So um, we have Toronto, who's been the third-ranked offensive team in the last 15 games, uh, coming in. So we, this is really going to be a, an enormous test on our on our team. And not only are we playing just a tremendous games about the against the top 10 offensive teams, we're playing the hottest offensive teams as well, who aren't actually in the top 10 in New Orleans, Oklahoma City, and Toronto. Well, suck. DJ, what are you doing to that thing, man? That's gross. You should see him drink this little chocolate shake. Man, it's disgusting. We can tongues the thing. Gosh. I was I was glad we got some more description there. I was not sure what we're talking about. <laughs> what are you doing to that little thing? It's gross. <laughs> Where? It was a chocolate shake. That was yeah. not any of the things uh, that went through my head. Man. <laughs> just, just drink the thing. Sheesh, you don't have to make out with it. <laughs> I'm glad you were listening to my answer. <laughs> there were too many numbers. I, I wrote down every David. stat. They play the top and just, yeah. <laughs> Going forward with Conley out, it makes it a little bit easier. But I'm really intrigued to see what what Quinn Snyder does with the rotations in the fourth quarter, particularly if it's a close game and we get in the last half of that quarter. Because, you know, he's got uh, offensively, he's just got so many options. This is what you're speaking of. And we were talking to Bojack the other day, and he's naming guys, and he didn't even name Clarkson. (laughs) And I said, well, you know, what about Jordan? Because he's been lighting it up offensively, obviously. What do you think is going to happen in those situations? You you define them. What do you, what's your situation? Uh, you call them clutch situations. Last five minutes and the score differential has to be what is it? Five points. Within yeah, the league does five within five. Yeah. Okay. So um, what's going to happen there? Do you think? I think it's going to be fluid. Um, I don't think there's an easy answer to it. I think if you're playing a team that's you know really really putting pressure on Donovan, you might need Mike on the floor. Um, to to have another pick and roll ball handler to be able to create other opportunities. If you're playing a team with with big guards that are trying to go one on one, you know a game like tonight against the Spurs, if they're suddenly switch playing Demar Derozan in isolation and they're switching and they're getting a switch so that then they're getting a six one Mike Conley on Demar Derozan, well that that's problematic. Then you probably need to bring in a Royce O'Neal if if 
you know, depending on the circumstances, there might be a scenario where you, you know, they're switching everything one through five and they've gone small. So you got to play isolation one-on-one basketball. Well, then Jordan Clarkson becomes uh, very valuable. If you need multiple pick and roll threats and uh, for Joe Ingles and Rudy Gobert could become an offensive option inside of there. So I, I think, you know, in, in all these, um, I think you, Quinn will have to make some decisions on, you know, what he, what he wants to do and, and how to play it. Um, we've been, you know, Mike has, we've been good with Mike on the floor in the clutch. We're 12 and seven in those 19 games, which he's finished. We've been really good all year. Boy, I think we're 22 and 10 and, um, overall. So, um, we've been both, you know, both good in both circumstances, um, which is, you know, a huge switch from last year when we weren't, um, particularly good in the clutch, um, I think overall for the season last year we were 15 and 17. Now it's a little misleading because when Ricky played we were 7 and 14. So if you actually go back and look at us without Ricky over the last two years, now in the clutch we're pretty good. We're 31 and 12. Um, so maybe our coaching staff knows what they're doing late in games. David, as always, we appreciate it. Look forward to hearing you on the call tonight, San Antonio, and again tomorrow with Houston. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. When we come back, PK with Jake Toulson, BYU. Big week. They got the Santa Clara win, and now here comes Gonzaga. Jake Toulson next. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. All-star break ends for the Jazz tonight. San Antonio Spurs in town. Game tips off at 7 o'clock. Listen to it right here on The Zone. Mike Conley will sit out tonight's game. Expected to play tomorrow against the Rockets as the Jazz go back-to-back. Houston's coming off a win. They beat Golden State 135-105 to last night. They'll be off tonight. They are not going back-to-back. 50 points for Trey Young as the Hawks stun the Heat 129-124. to The final score. College basketball, 23rd-ranked BYU picks up their 22nd win. They beat Santa Clara 85-75. The game was tied at 66, and BYU went on a 15-3 run. As T.J. Haas takes over, he finishes with 29 points and 8 assists. The Utes lose to UCLA 69-58. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Zero Res. Zero Res leaves no dirt attracting residues behind, so your carpets stay cleaner longer. Schedule your cleaning today for just $33 per room. Fourth room's free. Check them out online at ZeroResSaltLake.com or call them at 801-288-9376. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. My kids, when they commit to a university and a coach, I'm going to help them understand that just because transfers open up all across the country and you've got a one-time transfer, it still limits a huge portion of a team from transferring because not everybody's got scholarships to just welcome transfers. You better really think this through. This cannot be a knee-jerk thing for you because what you're going to end up is without a scholarship. And And there's kids in the portal that left thinking they'd find somewhere and they're still hanging in the portal. Yeah, I think there's a large group of kids that think, well, I'm going to go into the portal and everybody's going to love me. You better be a Devontae Henry Cole kind of situation where... As soon as your name hit, you had phone calls from everybody. Yep. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time to hear from the Cougars. DJ and PK is brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. BYU gets the win over Santa Clara. 
sets up the big game with Gonzaga. Gonzaga's going to win the league. There's no doubt about that. Correct. They're number one. The Cougars, if they win, will be number two. If they lose, I think they'll still end up being number two. Probably. But it'll have to play out. But you're looking at seeding, though. Absolutely. And they're in and not, and knowing that there's enough, first off, there's a lot of teams bunched up, so I think there's plenty of wiggle room. And then on top of that, you know that the Cougars sometimes get moved because where they would normally land, lands them somewhere they'd have to play on Sunday. So it seems to me like if the Cougars end up five or if the Cougars end up nine, right now I couldn't guarantee anything in there. Yeah, Yeah, all those uh, things are possible. Steve Cleveland's years, they they were underseeded. They should have always got dropped the line. Yeah, they should have had better seeds. I think the Jimmer thing when they were got a three with Brandon Davies out, that was probably the okay. Best you could hope for at that yeah. point, right? If Davies had been eligible to play, which I wish he would have, they would have gone the final, <laughs> final four. four. That would have been an incredible story. <laughs> yeah, um, they probably would have been a higher seed, but three was good enough. Three could have gotten them to the final four if they would have had Davies. But usually they're underseeded. Yeah, but if you beat Gonzaga. Man, that that's a that's a big old boost. That's, that's the a, biggest story of the day. That's a huge, huge thing on your resume if you get that. That's the biggest story in college basketball tomorrow. And we're now in the late February, which that's late February and obviously in March is when college basketball really takes off and it's at the highest level of its uh, interest. So you went down and you spoke with one of the guys who has been right in the middle of everything, Jake Toulson. Yes. Set it up for us, then we'll hear the interview. Uh, yeah, I spoke to Jake Toulson at senior night. Obviously, Jake started at BYU, then had some personal issues, left the game, went to UVU, played for Mark Pope, and Cody Fieger, who were also the coach's assistants at BYU when uh, Jake was there, goes there, resurrects his career at Utah Valley, and then gets the grad transfer. Was recruited by a number of big-time schools that he could have gone to, but he wanted to stay with Pope and Fieger, and he talks about it. And so he comes back, and he really has a remarkable story. He's a Phoenix kid, so I have a connection with him. And um, it's a story that I think we all love redemption. We all love comebacks. Jake Toulson had a comeback. I talk about how we have a lot of fun in this show and mess around and try to make it light and enjoyable. One of the things I like when it comes to journalism, you know, we can break stories all we want. And I said I thought Unga was going to be the running back coach at BYU. We'll see if I end up being right. Um, You know, we've certainly broken up stories here. But one of the things I also love is have an opportunity to go one-on-one with people and Jake Toulson being a senior uh, was just a great opportunity for me. I thank BYU for letting me do it and he had excellent answers. He was introspective and obviously articulate and intelligent and this is something that after all these years I still enjoy as if I was a 25 year old getting an opportunity to ask real questions and have a flow of a conversation, not just a scrum where you ask one or two and then somebody else moves on, and that's the way you do it with so many of these coaches. But to have this opportunity to really interview Jake Toulson, uh, I thought it was one of the better interviews that I've had in a long time. Here we are, coming down to the end of the regular season. You've had a real interesting college career, to say the least. And, and, you know, you still have a lot of games to play, so I'm not saying that the season's over, but, you know, you're coming down a couple of games left in the Marriott Center. How do you reflect upon uh, your college career? Man, it's been it's been a journey. It's been uh, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Um, 
but there's been a lot of growth, a lot of uh, a lot of learning, and and I'm just happy that I'm here and I'm you know finishing out uh, my career where I started it and on a great team that uh, um, that has a chance to do something. So yeah. I can't I can't uh, ask for anything more. So you speak a lot of ups and downs, and you know the downs are chronicled to an extent. I think uh, if you follow basketball program up here or you 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 know your story, you probably know a little bit about it. How did you persevere through the downs? I think um, I just I just knew that I, I wanted to to I wanted more, and I, I wanted to to make something out of it. And I didn't want to give up. I didn't want to give in. Um, you know, a lot of people were telling me what what it was going to be like, and what you know what was going to happen for me. And I I didn't want to listen to that. I wanted to kind of write my own story and, and even though I was on a crooked path that you know wasn't very conventional and you don't see a lot of people doing I wanted to um, put everything I had into it and and it's taken me um, to where I am today did you have to lean on anybody or people yeah absolutely um, I think uh, my wife deserves all the credit Sarah um, I tell this story you know when we got married, it was after I had left BYU, and and I told her I don't know if I want to play basketball anymore. Like I don't know um, if if that's something that that I should be doing. I don't know if it's for me. I don't know even if I wanted to where I would do it. And and she she really just uh, you know wanted me to. She knew how much I loved it. She knew that we would get through it together, and that she wanted me to just keep fighting and uh that's what i did and i think my parents deserve a ton of credit too just being there for me and supporting me um through this journey and it's been fun um because a lot of the lows were experienced together but the highs too so we've we've been on this journey together and we've been able to to grow together and and it's been it's been a lot of fun was there tough love involved anywhere at any point uh no i think I think um, from those those people that I had mentioned, it was just they wanted what was best for me. And I wouldn't say maybe tough love, but they they believed um, that this is what you know I was meant to do. And maybe when I didn't believe it, yeah, they, they helped say, me believe it. Was it wasn't like an ultimatum or, right. or threats or any of that type of tough love. It was more like strong love mm-hmm. like they they really you know knew that this was gonna um you know this is what i was supposed to be doing so maybe can we say as a point whatever that might be whenever that was that they might believe in you a little bit more than you believe in yourself at that at a particular time i think at times yeah for sure they definitely carried me through um some of those hard times in my life so now obviously you guys have put together a, fin- a phenomenal season not done yet and still have a lot to, a lot to go a lot to prove so i don't want to put a capsule but to this point, how rewarding has it been knowing of the prior struggles? Yeah, I think it, it's been it's been well uh, the best year of my life, uh, my basketball career. Um, I think being a part of this team um, has has been so fun for me because I love my teammates and I love this coaching staff and the way BYU has welcomed me back is something that I never thought um, you know would be possible. And, you know, I was a little nervous to come back and didn't know what to expect and didn't know, you know, what what, what, uh, what it was going to be like, you know, having left on kind of weird terms yeah. earlier in my career. But 
the reception has been amazing and they made me feel right at home and um, I think this year has has definitely been special and uh, like you said we, we were just getting started sometimes when you know I've interviewed people and they go through struggles and they look back and reflect they say that you know I probably had to go through that to get where I'm at you feel like that absolutely I think I was I, I wouldn't be in this position today if, if it weren't for the uh, for the adversity that I have faced I think a lot of people have have this you know they try to avoid adversity and, and try to remain comfortable because it's hard nobody wants to you know do hard things like nobody wants to choose to do that at least but I think once I started to embrace it and once I started to accept it then it's really become a strength for me like my back's been against the wall I know what it's like I know when people don't believe in me I know what it's like to be told that you'll never do anything <laughs> guess what I I I made something happen and, and that's that's strength for me I know that you know that that I'll always be um, able to to have that with me, and then, and then when the next thing happens, that's really hard. And then, I mean, there's been hard things this year. I know that I'm I'm built to to get through things, and because because I've done it in the past, I've had my back against the wall. That I know how to get through it mm -hmm. because I've done it before. So. so, in the world of social media, when guys get out to transfer or even out of high school, the recruiting becomes so much more public than it was, say, when you were coming out of high school down in the Phoenix area. So, my point is, when we hear that you were possibly going to leave UVU, you start hearing all these schools that are after Jake Toulson, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's practically everybody but the NBA. Mm -hmm. It seemed like you had so many options, so it leads me to the obvious. Why BYU then? I think... Um, because of the relationship that I have with Coach Pope and Coach Feeger and even Burge, um, just the trust that, that we've been able to, to establish over the years. Um, I've been with Coach Pope and Coach Feeger my, pretty much my whole career because they were here when I came as a freshman. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of those hard times that we've talked about, were with Coach Hope and Coach Feeger, and and they were there, uh, you know, there for me. And so, I think I, I I just wanted to to finish this thing with the people that I've been through it with, and and I wanted to, it just seemed right to to be able to to you know give this thing a shot this year, mm -hmm. our best shot um, with the the people that I've experienced, uh, you know, so much good and so much um, hard times that I wanted to. To finish it with those guys so with that in mind you know you were coming in not to basically be a secondary player but to have a fairly significant role so you had to have had some type of buy-in from your teammates right because if you just come in and they don't accept you there might have been some issues so how was that relationship reintegrating or integrating yourself with the guys as opposed to the coaches yeah um I, I can't even I can't even begin to to talk about how special this group is and how much uh, we love each other and, and how much we've really bought into to what coaches is uh, you know teaching us and um, they open they open their arms to me and, and they wanted me to, to be me and, and gave me a voice and um, I've been able to have an impact on this team just like they have on me but um, I think what makes this group special is that we've all kind of had our own 
individual journeys and we've all been through some adversity and, and now it's our time to to really buy in and, and give it our best chance to win and that's all that matters to mm-hmm. us right now is winning so I've been hearing a lot about you you know being a three-point shooter but as I watch your game you know you're certainly more than just uh, a standalone catch and shoot dude uh, how much has that developed over the years to you be able to get down low and do your stuff down there too in addition to stepping outside yeah, I think. Don't let him bother. Let me turn on this side. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think that it's 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 taken time, um, and and over the years I've been able to to develop confidence. I think I've always believed in myself and in my game and knew what I was capable of. It just kind of took. Um, it kind of took some time to to be able to go out there and do it. Um, uh, and I think uh, Coach Pope and Coach Fieger have really helped me learn a lot about the game and specifically my own game and, and what it means and what it's trying to tell me and uh, how to be how to be really efficient and how to, to impact winning. And, and that's what really what I try to do is just in any way I can um, help the team. And that's, that's what I'm about. But it's, it's, it's been a journey for sure. Senior night, uh, when you walk out on that floor and they call out your name, you know you have your wife, I assume, your parents and all. How emotional is that going to be? Yeah, I, I've you know I've thought about it a little bit. It's gonna you know I don't know what it'll be like in the moment, but I'm expecting it to be pretty emotional. Um, just you know reflecting on the journey and, yeah. and how far I've come and and you know where I'm at today. And so you know the last time. Um, uh, putting on putting on the uniform with the guys here in the Marriott Center. Uh, I think it'll be it'll be emotional, but it'll also be a great night and one that we'll remember forever. Well, thank you and good luck the rest of the way. Appreciate it, man. There's Jake Toulson with PK, and and he's kind of summarized it there at the end. And the one thing he couldn't say because it doesn't sound good when you say it about yourself, but he's not just been part of the story. I mean, he's not just been there witnessing the story. He's been a big part of it. Yes. You know, the fact that he has fit into the group so well on the court so quickly, it's uh, scoring 15 points a game in a 40-minute college game when a lot of guys are playing. A full-time player might be playing 25 to 30 minutes, and he's out there 33 minutes a night, 15 points. He's a big part of what's gone right this year. And obviously, so is TJ Haas, and obviously, so is Yoli Childs. We go on down the line. Yes. But... He's been a, a big piece. I thought when Yoli got in foul trouble, I thought Jake did a good job of keeping him going and not letting the wheels come off. Yes. Obviously, then they won the game in the last four minutes with TJ going off. Um, but it was interesting, you know, how relationships matter so much. And we've wondered, both in football and in basketball, as more kids transfer, you don't have the four years. There are coaches who talk about, I think Randy Ray talks at Weber State, talks about, hey, it's a family, and you build these relationships over time. And if you start counting on uh, transfers, how does that work? And this is an unusual situation because Jake's been with the coaching staff. He's been with these coaches longer than the majority of the BYU team has been with these coaches because he moved from UVU with them. Yes, and also the proximity. So you play pickup ball. He started at BYU. So you're not going to get that. This is a highly unusual situation. It's a one-off, right? I think that the big thing is that he went through some personal struggles and persevered and now has come out better for them which is what we all want to hear somebody say and he's right you know everyone has them but what do you do when you have them how much do they beat you down how much can you overcome them and the personal struggles that he had he overcame them and now 
they are uh, the Cougars and him individually, as you say, they're having a banner season. And that's why they're going to beat Gonzaga tomorrow. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280. I saw it. 1280, <laughs> the zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Coming up. We're going to be talking uh, a little BYU basketball with Travis Hansen. Maybe a little Travis NBA. Travis Hansen. Well. Yeah, he's going to join us coming up in the next. He segment. was a hothead when he played. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little more than a hothead at points. <laughs> David Locke was on earlier this hour, and we were talking with him, and he is very optimistic about Houston small ball. He thinks the Rockets are going to climb to second or third in the 24 West. 24 and four? Wow. That seems off the charts. Yes. I mean, you take that anytime, anywhere, at any point in the season. He thinks Jazz Nuggets 4-5 series is likely. Probable. Well, I mean, he does the number thing, but, you know, he also likes to cushion the blow. Set low expectations. Yeah, It's easier to be happier that way. (laughs) Yeah. So I checked uh, 538 because they don't care. So did I. You did not. (laughs) They check 538 because they don't First care. First time you go to 538 will be the last time. They run 10,000 simulations on how See, this is going to play out. I run 11,000. Really? And I was bugged that neither of you acknowledged when I asked him about the Rockets hitting a home run with Reggie Jackson. Yeah. Well, sorry. See, it was a home run. That one, yeah, yeah. We, that yeah, that one got, that Arizona one got State past. football scholarship. That one got past me. I'll admit. <laughs> He went right into the answer. He's hardcore. He's so focused. And DJ doesn't pay attention, so that eliminated them. So you're my only hope, and you let me down. Sorry. Well, what does 538 say? Jazz Rockets 4-5 series first round. Exactly as the standings sit now. So they don't have the Rockets just steamrolling through the last 28 games. Because if well, you're they, going 24-4, and four, you're steamrolling. You are steamrolling at that <laughs> point. No, they do not have them steamrolling they do however have them moving up to four and catching the jazz so the jazz are with five. Oh man so a repeat of last year they have houston winning uh, 19 games between now and the end that of the seems season. far more reasonable they have the jazz winning 17 so what seems that, a little on the low side and, to me uh, 11 11 17 and 11 yeah i would agree with that off the top of my head i haven't broken down every game Neither have I. And then who knows what's going to happen. And then the thing about it at the end of the season, who's playing? Who's going to dump games? Who's going to be sitting guys? Who's shutting players down? Right. We need to keep a list of players who get shut down for the year. Right now, Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson. Yeah, well, they confirmed that Clay wouldn't come back. There's no need for him to come back. No. That was a late injury, too. I mean, it was in June. Yep. So. uh, No point in I like what Kerr said about Steph Curry. You know, we were going to, if he can play, he'll play. And people are paying big money to come see him play. And he's one of the better players. So, yeah, I totally agree with him. That was refreshing to, to hear said. Uh, but you, you look at the Rockets, uh, how much is they're going to, how many games are going to play Harden and Westbrook at the end? Because they're a veteran team. And for them, if we got to play the Lakers in the second round or we got to play the Lakers in the third round, so be it. 
Because when you got guys like that and a coach who's D'Antoni's got to be approaching seventy, if not already there, it's about winning and winning right now. They're not they're not building toward anything. They're trying to win immediately. So if you're trying to win immediately, does the seed really that ma- matter that much? Especially when you got veteran guys. And I don't think it does. So they may lose some games, a couple of games at the end that they didn't really try to win them. DJ and BK coming up next. Travis Hansen joins us. Stay with us.